Welcome to Take Notes, SMB Global Rating's structured finance podcast and the credit event of your day. Tune in as your hosts, Jim Manzi and Tom Shoplocker, explore hot topics across the structured finance and global markets. Hello, and welcome to Take Notes. I'm your host, Tom Shoplocker, and today I'm joined by analysts Ji Liang and Chris Plum, who are going to tell us about private equity collateralized fund obligations or private equity CFOs. Private equity CFOs which have been around since the early aughts, are term notes backed by diversified portfolios of investments in private equity funds. The securitized net cash flows consist of capital calls and distributions, which represent the initial cash outlays used for investments and the subsequent returns generated by those investments. For those interested in more background on this asset class, I refer you to our first podcast on the topic that we did last year. In this episode, we'll be concerned mostly with the recent Astria 7 transaction. To start us off, Chris, tell us how private equity CFOs performed throughout the pandemic, focusing on the Astria products that we rate. Thanks, Tom. Absolutely. So we're all well aware of how unprecedented the disruptions were that were brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. And private equity, along with the private equity CFOs, were not immune to this. Astria 4 and Astria 5, which are two private CFOs that were outstanding in 2020, saw declines in their portfolio NAVs, and this was due to depressed asset valuations brought on by fair value losses through a process in the private equity world known as being marked to market. These declines in portfolio values led to a few unconventional events to take place. So given the huge uncertainty around the depth and duration of the COVID-19 disruptions, Azalea, the manager of the Astria bonds, chose to contribute additional cash to the reserve accounts through what was called a sponsor waiver. And what this did was it took monies that was otherwise due to the sponsor through the priority of payments, and it redirected them to the reserve accounts for the bonds. And the goal of these sponsor waivers was I'm sure as they sound, uh, was to buffer up the reserve account and get the reserving of funds ahead of schedule for these bonds to provide any sort of buffer and protection against prolonged economic disruptions. Now, I understand that in addition to sponsor waivers, Astria bonds have an LTV ratio threshold, which redirects cash flows to reserve accounts. Tell us about how this feature works, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. That's correct. Um, This is a feature that is found in all outstanding Astria bonds. Um, And it does just what you mentioned. Uh, It redirects residual cash flows to the reserve accounts. If the bond's LTV, loan-to-value ratio, rises above a designated level. And given the declines observed in Astria 4's portfolio NAV, we did see that this threshold crossed the 50% mark which caused additional funds to make their way to the reserve account. So, given both the sponsor waivers, which were present for Astria 4 and 5, and the LTV trigger, which was an event for just Astria 4, additional funds made their way to the reserve accounts. But despite all of these events, and perhaps more importantly, the underlying funds continued to generate cash in the forms of distributions and those funds were set aside in the reserve account per schedule. So said another way, even though we saw volatility among the fund valuations and the portfolio NAVs, the underlying portfolios continued to generate cash. 
And much like we observed in the public markets, the private equity markets saw a sharp rebound in asset valuations following the summer of 2020, bringing the bonds, LTVs, and portfolio values back to pre-pandemic levels. You recently rated the Astria 7 transaction. Can you tell us how it compares to prior transactions from Astria that you've rated? Yes, absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of similarities and there's a handful of differences. Um, I'll start off with pointing out the similarities. So if we focus on the asset side of things, or in other words, the portfolio of the private equity investments, um, we see similarities among the diversification, style, and region of the underlying funds. If we look at the fund type or the strategy, Astria 7 continues to be tilted towards a buyout strategy versus growth equity. If we look at the region, for example, where the funds are situated around the world, um, a majority of the funds are found here in the United States. And if we take a look at the sectors that the funds are invested in, we see a tilt towards the sectors that make up a large portion of the S&P 500, such as information technology and healthcare. Okay, you focused on the similarities, but how about the differences? Yes, so sticking with the assets, a couple of differences to point out will be the portfolio size or the portfolio NAV. Astria 7 is boasting a larger portfolio with an NAV situated around 1.9 billion. And it's also a younger portfolio with a weighted average fund age around 5.3 years. If we turn to the liabilities and look at some structural features, we also find a couple of differences with Astria 7 versus prior products. Even though we do not rate the Class A2 and Class B bonds, the Class B bonds will now have a dedicated reserve account to fund their scheduled call. In addition, there is no performance threshold in Astria 7, which was a feature in prior Astria transactions that would redirect excess cash flows to the reserve account if specific performance metrics were met. The U.S. economy is in a curious spot right now, with prices soaring due to supply chain issues and the Russia-Ukraine conflict exacerbating inflation, which is at a 40-year high. To deal with things, the Fed just bumped up rates by 50 basis points, the biggest hike in two decades, and will likely increase the overnight lending rate several more times this year alone. Our economists tell us that recession risk has increased and that our qualitative assessment of recession risk over the next 12 months is 30%, with greater risk in 2023 as cumulative rate hikes start to really kick in. Given the rising rates, market volatility, labor shortages, and various liquidity constraints, what will be the impact on private equity in general and on the Astria 7 transaction in particular? Gee. Sure, Tom. You hit the nail on the head. The private equity sector has benefited tremendously from the trillions in monetary stimulus that central banks have pumped into the global economy since March 2020. Market disruption from the COVID-19 pandemic turned out to be sharp but short-lived. The abundance of liquidity provided ideal conditions for buying and selling companies, and the PE funds boosted distribution in the past 12 to 18 months, despite the continual economic uncertainties brought on by COVID. However, the landscape has shifted in our opinion. Inflation has prompted higher policy rates and higher financing costs around the world, 
after the PE sector has enjoyed two decades of cheap money, because as the prices fall when cost rises, generating return in this environment can be significantly harder. General partners will have to improve operation performance on the underlying investments while navigating through tighter market liquidity, global supply chain disruption, labor shortages, among other factors. While we expect PE distribution to slow down in the near future, Astra 7 is a diversified portfolio with five years of seasoning, and the remaining capital call liability is relatively small. Chris described some of the structural features built into the Astria 7 transaction. How will these and other factors mitigate some of the risks that we foresee on the horizon? Sure, because private equity CFOs typically don't have scheduled distribution. Our rating methodology is designed to test cash flow volatility using a stochastic model to forecast fund contribution and distribution based on historical J-curves in our database. We've run scenarios that tested various distribution patterns and tail-end risks. In addition, Astra 7 features a few structural protections, including a credit facility that covers senior expenses, bond interest, and capital cost shortfalls, class A and B reserve accounts, as mentioned by Chris, that accumulate principal until the bond's respective call date, sequential pay waterfall, and an LTV trigger that turns off equity distributions, like the prior transactions. I'd like to thank our speakers, Ji Liang and Chris Plum. The presale for the Astria 7 transaction is available on our website, www.spglobal.com forward slash ratings. Also, know that all prior episodes of Take Notes are on the same site, including the original Private Equity CFO podcast we did last year. We'll catch you next time on Take Notes. To subscribe to Take Notes or to view our analyst research, go to spglobal.com forward slash ratings. Thank you for listening to Take Notes with Jim Manzi and Tom Schopflocker.